Welcome to another episode of Disney Versus, where we know what makes the red man red. This is also the podcast where we have it's animated. Not okay. <laughs> it's the only time I was going to be able to use it. I was thinking about okay. it. This is also the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori. I'm Grace. We are back for our series, Bracket of the Ages. Today, we are talking about the Silver Age of Disney movies. The movies made from 1950 to 1967. These are also some of the final films that Walt Disney made during his life. Uh, I believe The Jungle Book was his last film that he actually had his fingerprints on. But before we do that, we have a very special guest today. I'm really excited to have him here. We have Josh Taylor from Modern Mouse. If you've listened to some of our uh, episodes that we've done in the past, he is the voice that does some of the history lessons. So thank you, Josh, for being here. How are you, sir? Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, I love Disney history, and it's kind of my passion in life. So I'm happy to sit around and chat Disney history with you. IRL. (laughs) (laughs) Around the time when I thought of the era's idea, and I was just researching and i found your video and i was like oh these are cool and then when we started recording i was like we need something to because they don't want to hear me talk about you know the history so i asked you if we could use some of the audio from your videos and then that turned into me asking you to come and do an episode or two with us we appreciate you being here and being part of the bracket Glad to be here, and I'm glad that I'm already booked for another appearance, <laughs> despite uh, how you feel about my first appearance yet so far. <laughs> I mean, as long as we have fun, it's that's all that matters. Sure, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit for those who haven't who you know haven't heard the channel or the podcast. Uh, tell us about your channel, Modern Mouse. Uh, so I started first and foremost. I started the podcast long before I started the YouTube channel. And uh, it was more of a chance, kind of like this, for me to like catch up with friends that are also into Disney to talk about the Disney news. And over time, I decided, okay, maybe I should also jump into video. Video was like a passion of mine. Uh, I met up with some other people. We started like kind of a group project. Eventually, all those people fell off for one reason or another. So. Uh, I just decided, well, let's name this Modern Mouse because the podcast is Modern Mouse. And uh, at the same time, I also like deleted every episode of like eight years of Modern Mouse, the podcast. Oh, wow. And I started completely over uh, with an idea of, for the YouTube channel, talking more history and analysis of Disney films or Disney adjacent films. And then for the podcast, I was going to try and do more of an NPR style show where I interviewed a bunch of people and uh, I tried to connect real world issues to the Disney company, um, how they Im- either how they impact the Disney company or how the Disney company impacts the real world. Uh, so it was a chance for me to interview people where I felt like that was kind of a distinct, different thing from the YouTube channel. But I enjoy both. I enjoy doing both of those things. and I feel like they're kind of just now my one singular brand. Very cool. That is definitely a distinctive taste. I know I haven't seen a lot of in podcast form or in YouTube form. Yeah, for me it was, and this is not a slander onto anybody, but for me, I just got really bored with talking about some of the same things, um, bringing on people who weren't necessarily experts in something, but were just friends. Like I love chatting with my friends, but it was more of 
a way to be like, all right, let's do the friends thing more privately and let's let's try and turn this thing into something that felt professional. Yeah, something a bit more professional, something that I could take from hobby to career. And Mm -hmm. so that was partly my goal. And then I moved from Denver to uh, Los Angeles. And ever since living in L.A., I've been uh, hooking up with different people, like doing audio editing, video editing for them. and, And hopefully in the long run, I can work in some more professional stuff for just Modern Mouse. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Again, like I said, glad to have your distinctive take and taste here on the podcast, at least for a couple of episodes. Cool. Let's uh, continue the way we usually do. Grace, what you watching? Uh, Well, Tori and I just talked less than a week ago. (laughs) So I haven't watched all that much. Well, I watched six Disney movies in a few days. Man, procrastination, y'all. It's... Oh, I'm playing playing Dreamlight Valley. Um... And I don't normally play video games, so my boyfriend loaned me his Switch, and I've been playing. And last night, I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna clear out some vines for half an hour before I go to bed." And then two hours later, I was like, "Oh, I, ha- I have all of these carrots, and it's time for me to go to bed right now." That's usually <laughs> so, how it works. Yep. So, um, but yeah, aside from that, I haven't really watched all that new. Oh, and House of Dragon. Yeah. Of course. All caught up on House of Dragon. Josh, what you watching? Well, beyond like, you know, the usual kind of what everybody's watching right now, House of Dragon, She-Hulk, stuff like that. Um, I have been watching, and you'll probably pick up a theme very quickly here. I rewatched The Little Mermaid. I mm-hmm. just actually for a f- not the first time, but like the first time in a very long time, watched Splash. Um, okay. I am trying to hopefully tonight get to Shape of Water, which I have have watched before, but rewatching it. And hopefully then that means that I'll start watching, which I've never watched, some of the Little Mermaid, like, direct-to-video sequels. Ah. The theme is mermaids. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm working, I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but I'm working on a video coming out early October about um, mermaid lore and how it has changed from when it first started to being, like, sirens and killing pirates to now um you know a a black aerial and why we're fighting over it so giving kind of a history slash analysis of the progression of mermaids i guess you would call it i don't know (laughs) cool yeah i like it i'm also strangely like a big universal monsters fan so i actually picked up the box set of all the universal monsters movies so i could watch the creature from the black lagoon and then all of the sequels to that as well oh nice yeah i actually haven't seen creature from the black lagoon it's great i i really love that film i've never seen any like i think there's two sequels to it and i never saw those so uh, i just decided to pick up the whole box set that should be fun and interesting i went and saw the woman king on what sunday and I really enjoyed it a lot. It was, in spite of the controversy, I told my sister, I don't boycott movies because Twitter tells me to. But uh, I went and saw it and had a whole lot of fun. Loved it. Viola Davis is a, a force. And I love seeing her in pretty much everything. So mm-hmm. I love Lashana Lynch's character, too. She kind of plays like the stereotypical, not the stereotypical, but the cliche the hardened general or the you know the boot camp 
instructor. That's kind of who she plays in the movie, and I think she was my favorite character. And I love seeing John Boyega in anything. Moving on to some news talk. I know we did a whole episode about it, but I love to get uh, Josh's perspective. Uh, D23 happened recently. Just wanted to get some favorite announcements and ask Josh what it was like to be there. I was there, yeah. Um, This is my third D23 Expo, although not in a row. I skipped 2019, so I was a 2015 and 2017. Um, It continues to get bigger and bigger every time, which has its benefits and has its real harsh negatives. The fact that like waiting in line for two hours just to buy merchandise is kind of insane. Um, So I walked away with nothing, you know, but maybe some freebies that they handed out. But I really love the way that they set up the expo floor. Um, Just to be able to wander around to see everyone's cosplays, to know that you're kind of in a place where everybody else loves this. Like even going to Disneyland or Walt Disney World, you're like, oh, there are a lot of people here that enjoy this. But then there's always like, you know, the guy in the shirt that says like, this was really expensive. (laughs) We all know, man. But like, and we're here anyway. (laughs) Right. Like, just get over it. But like at the D23 Expo, this is like the hardest of the hardcore fans. It's cool to be around that environment, uh, despite the fact of what Twitter and social media will tell you, the the vibe in the room is always extremely positive. So it's strange to go on Twitter and see all the negativity when you're in this place that's so positive, which I enjoy that. Um, as far as all the announcements, and I know this is probably a hot take, but I actually am on the side of management who kind of decided to not announce like big giant projects 10 years down the line. They decided to keep Mm -hmm. everything one to two years, maybe a little tease here and there of some things coming down the line. But for the most part, it was all stuff that we know is going to be coming in 2023 and 2024. Um, That way, you know, going back to the last expo where they talked about a Mary Poppins attraction that never happened, uh, spaceship Mm -hmm. earth getting refurbed that never happened. And so I would rather them, just give me smaller announcements rather than promise something they'll never deliver. As far as the films, uh, I'm really excited about the future for pretty much everything they're doing. I think that they've got a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, I'm a big Marvel geek, so I'm really excited to see Daredevil again and uh, mm-hmm. the Echo series. And uh, also, uh, you know, we're getting the werewolf, what, in like three weeks or so, something yeah, like that. Werewolf so by night. So uh, soon. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. We're excited about that. I'm very excited about Werewolf by Night, and then uh, Strange World coming up very soon. And uh, I believe they announced Inside Out two, which yeah, they did. is Inside Out is like a top three, top four Pixar film for me. So yeah, I'm all for that. So we talked a little bit about Inside Out two on the last episode, and I'm I'm kind of I, I know that there are going to be different. Um, characteristics feelings emotions uh, emotion there you go yeah then the first one but i'm wondering if it's going to be too close to turning red uh like it's it's a very close um exploration of, of an adolescent girl's existence 
Um, it could be. But the first one, the first one was so good. So I don't know. I'm hopeful, but I do worry cautious. that it will have a Toy Story three esque kind of thing where it's like they announced Toy Story four and it was like, but the last one ended so well and it's such a perfect film. Yeah. Exactly. Like, as time has gone on, I've been, I enjoy Toy Story four, but like there's a purist in me that still believes the whole thing should have ended with Toy Story three. And there's yeah. a little bit of me that's afraid, like Inside Out was such a perfect story in and of itself. It doesn't need anything extra. So mm-hmm. I'm skeptical, but I'm also hopeful. There were some Marvel things that we didn't get to, like Daredevil. We briefly talked about Secret Invasion. I think that's what I'm the most excited for because of the implications of what it could have to the to the MCU. And mm-hmm. we haven't seen Nick Fury in a while, like doing things. Yeah. So I'm excited to see more of him. I would just say one of the things about Secret Invasion and um, what we got from Nick Fury previously, it felt like we kind of left a plate spinning. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it feels like, okay, we're going to finally start to pick up some plates and actually like finish some of these stories or at least continue them in a in a good direction. It feels like we're spinning a lot of plates right now in Marvel. And so right. it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to pick up Nick Fury's character and see where he's going or like pick up echo and daredevil and possibly some of the other characters from hawkeye and that gets me excited because it was like two years of not really knowing where everything was going right and finally i feel like okay we're on a path i know where we're heading it's like when you're prepping a meal you have all these ingredients okay now what are you going to make with it right to josh's point of liking that they're only announcing a couple years out right now um as far as movies and and TV shows go, I, I think the Disney universe has gotten so big that you can't do much more than that. Um, I mean, dozens of films and series were announced and that's Pixar, that's Disney, that's Marvel, that's Lucasfilms. There's so much right now. And and, and the Lucasfilm brand alone is overwhelming. I, I'm still not caught up. I still haven't watched Obi-Wan. Don't yell at me. I'm very excited, but I haven't watched it yet. And I saw that Andor was released yesterday, today or yesterday. And I'm like, I, I need to catch up. I need to do the things. But um, I am glad to see there's so much variety now, but it's a little overwhelming um, coming from a place where we tend to be in the know. Right. Mm-hmm. And only for uh, 20th century, they only announced Avatar. That was the only thing they talked mm-hmm. about. Clearly, they've got more movies in the next two years. So, like, yeah, more Avatar general, films. Oh, yeah, more Avatar <laughs> films, true. But, you know, That's like, other, hopefully other stuff besides just Avatar. They're not just the Avatar company. I, that's a that's a good call though because I mean like we've been waiting and no one cares about anything else. <laughs> I've been waiting. So I, I get that. <laughs> Going to see the really the re release on Saturday. No shame. Ooh, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do that. Let's move on to quickly some Emmy Awards stuff that we didn't get to talk about. Um, we mentioned briefly when he was nominated, but Chadwick Boseman, the late Black Panther, won an award for his voice performance in Marvel's What If? Well-deserved. And Chippendale's Rescue Rangers won Outstanding Television Movie. Grace and I didn't get to do an episode on Chippendale, but I watched it. It's very funny. Easter eggs and cameos everywhere, and I was not expecting all of it. It's very meta. I mean, a lot of people have equated it to Roger Rabbit for various obvious Mm. reasons. Um, I think what's great about this style of animated, quote unquote, animated film, because it's kind of a hybrid, 
but like you can only do it so often like shrek you could say is is in a similar realm um wreck it ralph kind of feels like in that same way where it knows what it is and can be self-referential and i think that's a fun take that we don't see very often i think if we did it too often it wouldn't be fun but because it's so rare it's like oh this is fun and of course for me i mean i grew up watching disney afternoon so it was like a special treat i think it was it was a love letter to you know all the fans and the shows from the disney afternoon i mean it's not just it isn't just disney afternoon because they bring up like uh a character like gumby i mean it's not he's not gumby but like the police officer is you know similar um Mm -hmm. and i believe the transformers are in there as well like basically if you grew up in the 80s and 90s watching cartoons it it had a lot in it which was surprising because they didn't really announce much for this film Mm -hmm. so i thought it was going to be very just disney-esque but Mm -hmm. they were able to get so many different franchises involved which was pretty cool yeah like you see stan marsh from south park in a sauna it's like wait a minute that the cognitive dissonance of seeing that (laughs) in a disney movie is Mm -hmm. is fascinating congrats to those those uh, properties that won emmys speaking of award winners Pixar's Wally, probably one of the best Pixar movies, in my opinion, is getting a Criterion 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray release coming in uh, November, uh, available on November 22nd. And I told Grace I wasn't going to read all of these special features, and I'm not, but there's like mm, a whole page of maybe 15 different special features that we're getting and this is significant because it's the first pixar movie i can't remember if it's first pixar or first animated altogether that's getting a criterion release Uh, i know what i'm asking for for christmas i'm very excited for the extras and i hope i hope some of these extras make it to disney plus um especially kind of the behind the scenes documentary um content i'm about it i'm i'm so excited i think what's interesting about this move is it it serves two purposes one it gives a legitimacy to pixar um i think mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of movie fans hold the criterion collection up to high regard and so it gives a, a legitimacy to the wally film to animation in general as a as a medium um, but then also people who are not you know quote-unquote film bros who buy all the criterion films might see this as an entry point into the Criterion collection that if they've never gotten into it, they would might go, oh, okay, I like Wally. I like all these extras that come with it. Like you were saying, there's so many uh, that go with it that maybe, okay, maybe I'll pick up a classic film from the 1960s that I've heard about and be able to pick that up and, and watch it or whatever, you know? So I, I think it's an entry point for Criterion, but also it does give some great legitimacy to the world of animation, Disney and Pixar in particular. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to find the announcement. Um, I didn't even think about it until just now, but I think this is really well-timed. So Pixar is expanding their kind of innovative sector to work on new technologies. And like that is, that is, was kind of the cornerstone of Pixar in the beginning. So I think it's a really great, a really great reinvestment and, um, and way to kind of, hype that and and call back to pixar being a pioneer right um, with one of one of the movies that changed certainly changed sound design for uh animation but changed 
several technologies. That's something I'm super excited for because I'm looking at the the different versions, the different you know formats they're going to have, and a lot of them have there's an alter there's a lot of alternate sound options for it. Mm-hmm. And Grace, you and I have talked about it. Like the sound design on Wally is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, just listening to it atmospherically is an experience all itself. So yeah. that's something that I'm very interested in in you know getting on my sound system just listening to it in different versions just to see what how different it can be with good speakers mm-hmm. it's also is it michael Giacchino that did the soundtrack for that i think that's thomas newman okay i'll say because i mean they've got a couple of people that they work with composer wise and sound design with and it, it kind of is nice to recognize some of those people that don't necessarily get it you know we talk about john williams and stuff all the time but we don't ever talk about some of these newer folks so it's cool to see them get some praise thomas newman and who is it ben burt i think who was the sound designer and i think he was the voice of wally too were the mvps of this movie in more ways than one couple of smaller things uh i didn't know this kingdom hearts a tangential disney property not it's not a disney property but disney's all over it because of the you know the worlds and the levels and everything uh turned 20 on september 17th and admittedly i think kingdom hearts was what catapulted me into being a gamer and what reignited you know my disney love when i was you know in middle school because i saw this and it's like oh wait why is who's the spiky haired kid fighting with tarzan this is amazing, and I want all parts of it. Had to give a shout out to them. I was recently at uh, Disneyland for the Oogie Boogie Bash, and it's kind of a way to like meet a bunch of rare characters. And they had King Mickey from oh. Kingdom Hearts out meeting people. Nice. Uh, and the rumors that I have heard have been that in development, whether or not it'll actually come of age at all, but in development for Disney Plus is some sort of kingdom hearts show that's interesting so we'll see what happens i wonder what it would be based on because of how complex the continuity of those games are who is your favorite rare character that you saw uh oogie boogie bash had some really good characters uh the best looking one and the newest one for this year was uh ernesto de la cruz from coco bruno was also there although it was just like you know a guy in like a poncho like it wasn't like i mean it's cool but it was like a, a one hour line to stand for that and uh but i saw ernesto de la cruz uh the woman that plays cruella looks exactly like emma stone it was fantastic oh wow and then uh, i'm a big dr facilier fan so it was cool mm-hmm. they have a parade and he was at the head of like all of the disney villains float so it was cool to see him. And then he actually had like a spot to meet and greet later. So I made sure to go meet him. To meet him. Yeah. That's awesome. Maybe I can be- get cool. a job, Grace, as the only person who will cosplay as Dr. Callahan, as, as Yokai <laughs> from Big Hero 6. You should. Uh, and then the last piece of news we have, uh, they released a new Strange World trailer today. Woo! It looks interesting. Uh, I, f- I feel like I know exactly what the movie's going to be about. I mean, it looks very, it looks beautiful. Um, I f- feel like I wanted the trailer to be half as long, so I, I don't know as much. But mm-hmm. my memory's weakening as I get older. So by the time that we get there, I won't remember anything. Tori will be like, yeah, you definitely watched that. <laughs> Did I? My biggest worry with this film is because we're in this Disney Plus age where so many people wait 
you know, to go see it. Um, and there's so much from Disney coming out that this film is going to get lost in the shuffle. And because it's not a musical, at least to my knowledge, that it won't have the staying power that an Encanto or a Frozen has because the soundtracks tend to carry them much further than, right. than mm-hmm. just beautiful visuals. Like the visuals are gorgeous, but it's kind of weird. And the story is plain. I don't know, like from what the trailer is. So it's like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to have the longevity that they probably hope it will. I'm trying to remember what movie. There's a movie that's sticking me out. It's sticking out in my head. And it might be Tron Legacy, where dad disappears, kid comes back, or grown adult kid comes back and has uh, has basically dad issues. Yeah, And Tron. it stems from, yeah, I, th- I think it's Tron. <laughs> and dad dad's like i was i was there and he was like you i had no childhood because Mm -hmm. i you were always off and we were always off on your expeditions or whatever god i think it's just tron thanks grace (laughs) yep it's just tron also a little bit of interstellar but i think that's a little bit more dark i think it's (laughs) It's also interstellar but it is a story we've seen before yeah 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 not not terribly original the one thing that was kind of bugging me and this is a ocd thing uh, the the voices weren't syncing up with what they were saying in the trailers. Like when she says, everything's trying to kill us. And she's like, that's that's not what she actually said in the scene. So oh, the overdubbing was bothering me a little bit. Yeah. But that's a personal problem that I will get over. All right, that's our news. That's all our news. Let's get to our main topic. But first, uh, we're going to have another quick history lesson. If the Golden Era and Wartime Era can partially be defined by their experimental nature, then the Silver Age of Disney full-feature animation should be seen as the era where Walt and his animators boiled their techniques and storytelling down to a formula. After World War II, Walt Disney wanted to get back to full-length animated productions. Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, and Lady and the Tramp all showcase Walt himself and show the growth in style and the studio's perfectionism in the animation medium. And as the 1950s rolled on, Walt was pulled in many different directions. Animation and the advancement of moving art became only one of the many endeavors of Walt Disney and his company. What was once the bread and butter of Disney Studio was now just something they still did. Along with television shows, live-action films, and the creation of a groundbreaking theme park, the move to diversify would impact the last four films of Disney's Silver Era. And by the end of that era, it would see the death of its most important figure. Just a quick refresher on how we made the bracket. The scores were derived from uh, these film scores from Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, and IMDb. The higher your score on those platforms, the lower points you have. The less points you have, the higher your rank. Um, we're going to have a timer for the matchups so I don't get long-winded and go on too long about anything. Since there are three of us, we won't have Heather the Coin this time. And as always, if you have a hot take or a strong divisive point, please back it up. Or just elaborate. Uh, y'all ready? Yep. Let's do it. All right. So let's get started with our first quarterfinal matchup. We have the four seed Sleeping Beauty from 1959 versus the five seed The Jungle Book from 1967. 
I'm going to be honest, that's how I feel too. The Jungle Book was hard for me to watch. Really? Yeah, and I I feel like I felt that way last time too. Um, Because basically we're just shoveling Mowgli around to to find a pack and avoid Shere Khan for an hour and 20 minutes. So it's basically Moana. (laughs) Uh, Which also, Moana has some good songs, but... As a whole movie, it's moved down in my ranking as time has gone on. Okay. I mean, um, I feel like it's just there just isn't enough there. That's the same as Alice in Wonderland, just Alice shuffling from spot to spot, and the songs aren't as good. At least, uh, I mean, like Alice in Wonderland is not my favorite either. We're gonna get to that, but at least it's weird. Like at least there's entry because it because everything's upside down, topsy turvy. Yeah. So Jungle Book was hard for me. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, I like. Um, this is a movie I didn't really like when I was younger. I like it more as I'm older. But really, like, you, you couldn't... Why does she have to come back to the castle before her birthday? Why Why couldn't you just keep her? Why? There's a lot of logic Also, holes. I feel like... Yeah, there are a lot of logical fallacies. Like, uh, I feel like, fairies, you could have done better at combating Maleficent's magic with your final wish or final gift. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a, there's something you could have done that was a little more powerful or more impactful. That's something I wrote down cuz I guess it's a I, I guess it's a fairy tale thing, but like the first two gifts that they give her are kind of useless. Yeah. Like she's pretty and she can sing well. It's just and I guess it's modern sensibilities like just make her good at something. At least Snow White was a great baker, a great homemaker, and so was Cinderella kind of. And Grace, I asked you during the Golden Age where you put Snow White in the Princess Pantheon, and she said she's the lowest. I think you got to put Sleeping Beauty right there, too, because what can she do? Yeah, uh, she can speak to the animals, and <laughs> I feel like she could probably cook. Like, I think I think she was probably the cook because the fairies couldn't do Jack, Fair. and they weren't using magic. So I think she was probably actually the homemaker in their little cottage situation. I'm not saying... That feels like a weak argument that Sleeping Beauty is a better or a worse princess than Snow White. Because let's be real, like, you you know me. I princesses always have come in a long way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Jungle Book wasn't nearly as hard of a watch as it was for you. I actually watched this one last because I knew I knew which of these I was going to struggle with watching, and I knew the Jungle Book wasn't going to be one of them. So mm-hmm. I knew I was going to have fun. I had a lot of fun rewatching this movie. When Baloo comes on screen, it's just kind of a, I was having fun already. And it's just kind of a, you know, another shot of energy and adrenaline because he's such a boisterous character. And the bare necessities, I was like, when are we going to get to the bare necessities? When are we going to get to? It's later than I thought it was. It's earlier than I thought it was. Josh, what about you? What are you, what are you thinking about these two? So... There's a couple of things that are actually very different in total and what I think like about these films. Um, so Sleeping Beauty took like nine years to make. Um, yeah. I think that the artwork is absolutely stunning. Like take any frame for that film and it looks great on a wall. I think that the villain, Maleficent, iconic, probably one of the better uh, mm-hmm. villains of, of all of Disney. But because Aurora, I think she has, like, the least amount of screen time of any princess film. Um, And for me, The Jungle Book, it has the better music. Historically, that reference to it being, like, Disney's last animated film that he worked on. 
Um, I think that it was cool that they uh, brought in Louis Prima to do some of the songs as well. That gives it another iconic kind of thing. To me, I would have to lend it to the Jungle Book. To, I, I agree with you, Tori, that like as soon as Baloo shows up, there's like a, a sense of joy that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That he's just a joyous character. Sleeping Beauty doesn't have a character like that to me. There's mm-hmm. no character that for, can come well up. for me it's Maleficent. But. <laughs> sure, I, I, but like, and Maleficent is a is a great character. But if you were to compete with a character like Baloo, mm-hmm. I feel like Baloo's just in general a better character. Definitely more c- character development, and Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty is pretty baseline. We don't get all that much detail, and we know that her cronies are crappy. Um. And so I really appreciated what they did with the Maleficent series of live action movies because that kind of lent some depth to her. Um, but yeah, I can I can definitely see Baloo being a stronger kind of driving character overall. But then I think that even the, you know, other side characters, uh, King Louie, you've got Shere Khan as, I mean... Not the greatest villain ever, but I think mm-hmm. is a great character. Bagheera, a, a great parental figure. I think that there's a lot of strong side characters um, that I think actually make the film more than Mowgli ever does. Um, and I think this is actually a great comparison, considering that Mowgli feels like the weakest character in his film, and Aurora feels kind of like the weakest character in her film. Yep. Mm-hmm. But all the side That's characters in The Jungle Book magnificent comparatively to the sleeping beauty um i could give or take the the three fairies all of the characters in sleeping beauty are kind of aloof yeah. aside from maleficent i'm just kind of like yeah it's it's fine we're just gonna get drunk and and it'll celebrate her birthday and that's that's fine she won't find a spinning wheel it'll be great also this they, they burn all the spinning wheels in like the first year like how how are you gonna make thread how are you gonna how are you making clothes they didn't think that far ahead no it's poor planning <laughs> This is a nudist colony in the making. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. I agree with Josh. Uh, the look of Sleeping Beauty is fantastic. Uh, I like the music. I like, I think this is the only time that they've taken, I mean, not counting Fantasia Classical. at all. This is the only time that they've taken a score, I think, from something pre-existing and used it for a movie. Yeah. And, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if they did it again, as if it fit the story and everything. But I think that's really one of the biggest things besides Maleficent that mm-hmm. I would say stands out from this movie. Yeah. But all in all, The Jungle Book has better music, I think, too. I I think I'm ready to vote for The Jungle Book. Same. I'd vote Jungle Book. I vote Sleeping Beauty, but that's okay. <sighs> but I, I'm voting Sleeping Beauty because of Maleficent, mostly. Um, I do think it's, it's really beautiful. And I think... Um, as original and fun as some of the music is in Jungle Book, I think the music is more effective in Sleeping Beauty, especially in some of those fighting scenes towards the end, or even kind of the overview over the flying scenes for the crow, um, just kind of bringing us in on whatever new scene that we're looking at. So I, I vote Sleeping Beauty, but Jungle Book wins. <laughs> the next matchup we have is the three seed Lady and the Tramp from 1955. Versus Alice in Wonderland, the sixth seed from 1951. I would give you a different answer 10 years ago than what I would give you. <laughs> oh. now. Um, growing up, I loved Alice in Wonderland. I think it's weird. It's it's fun. 
I love the, the songs. Uh, the Walrus and the Carpenter story is like one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> it's so good. But like every time I've revisited the Lady and the Tramp, every time that I learn something new about Lady and the Tramp, it makes me appreciate that film more. I think that it's a perfect film beginning to end. Uh, I actually think of all of the live action remakes and funny enough, like in this lineup of films from the silver age, I think there's the most live action remakes. They've all had one or had one announced except for sword in the stone. Yeah. I think that the lady in the tramp live action is super slept on and it's really fun. I haven't seen that one. Exactly. Nobody has. Yeah. <laughs> it can't because it was a Disney plus uh, launch day title. And it came, it came out the same day as The Mandalorian, and everybody knew what they were watching that day. That Yep, that's yeah. why. I need to watch it again, because I know I watched it, and I wasn't as big, I'm not as big of a fan as Lady in the Tramp, but watching it, I'm like, yeah, this is really good. So I need to watch the, the live action again. I like the storytelling of Lady in the Tramp a lot. Like, I wrote down that they're, the rat, they foreshadow the rat from the beginning, uh, stuff like that because it comes back. Um, my one cool shot for the episode is the uh, when Tramp enters the house and it's dark downstairs and the lightning flashes and you just see his silhouette. That was something that I really enjoyed. Uh, that I, I thought it was you know really cool to see. Just Tramp's whole philosophy. He he kind of reminds me of uh, Lotso and Stinky Pete, but with less. Uh, with less scorn, I malice. guess. Yeah, with less malice. Like they, they, they have the same feelings, but Tramp clearly hasn't been hurt as much as the other two. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Lady, you know, calls him on his crap later, but is clearly in, in you know, entranced by this stray dog, is really interesting to me. I was not excited to rewatch Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I remember really not liking it last time I watched it. I think Lady and the Tramp was the first of the eight that I watched when I was preparing for this. And so that was over a month ago at this point. And it's surprising to me how just quickly it kind of disappeared from my mind. So it's not that memorable for me. Um, I did like it when I watched it. I was surprised. I just finished watching Alice in Wonderland right before uh, we started recording the episode. And... um, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, thinking, especially going into it, thinking that I wasn't going to like it. Um, I thought, Tori and I were talking about this before recording, I thought that we'd watched this fairly recently, and we haven't. It's probably been at least a year and a half or two years. <laughs> um, but I feel like I've watched it more recently than that, and I don't, I'm not quite sure why. But I, I like that there's always something new to look at. I pick up on something different every time. I catch new references every time. The Walrus and the Carpenter uh, is such a twisted tale. Um, But there's also a, there's a restaurant in Seattle called The Walrus and the Carpenter. And it's cool to see how many references come out of Alice in Wonderland. It's, It's still so popular for referencing. I'm not sure that people pick up on it all the time, Um, but it's made of really all the, Disney animated movies, I'd say that it's kind of ingrained in society. What do they serve into. there? Uh, it's a, it's like seafood, and I think, I mean, like, I I definitely remember having oysters there, but I didn't put it together that it was a reference to Alice in Wonderland. Do they serve walrus? No. Is there something that they're like, oh, this is walrus? They don't serve carpenters no. either. They don't serve carpenters either. Yeah. 
You didn't even watch. You didn't even watch the movie, Tori. You don't even remember. I didn't, I didn't watch all of it. This is <laughs> did the you get one. to the? Did you? <laughs> okay. Well, you missed the part where the walrus eats all of the oysters. No, no, no. I remember that part. I got to that part. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, full disclosure: I tried. Wa- I tried finishing it. I watched half of it the other day and tried finishing it today. But the struggle is real. But I think I think my struggle with Alice in Wonderland is emblematic of how where i am like like with josh where i am with movies because the nature of alice just kind of moving from vignette to vignette and and similarly to mowgli to be fair it's just the the zaniness of alice in wonderland really never hit me even when i was younger so this was always kind of an l from me for alice in wonderland i think it's visually iconic there's a lot of great visuals, but the storytelling is. isn't as cohesive. Um, for me personally, like my favorite Disney animated film of all time is uh, The Three Caballeros, which is not really that cohesive at all. But of all time? Of all Wait, time. really? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I will watch it okay. every day, all the time. And I know I'm weird. I know I'm weird. <laughs> um, my, favorite char- my favorite character is Jose Carioca, and so... Yeah, anyways, but like I think I think that's why I always loved as a kid Alice in Wonderland. Like I love the abstractness of mm-hmm. it. The problem is that I think pop culture has diluted Alice in Wonderland too much for me. You can go to mm-hmm. like any hookah shop and they use Alice in Wonderland imagery. Uh you get mm-hmm. you get a cool restaurant and they use Alice in Wonderland imagery. Tim Burton decided to make two movies. <laughs> based around Alice in Wonderland versus Lady and the Tramp, despite its lack of pop culture, I think that it's to me, it's safe to say that one of the most iconic scenes in film history, animated or not mm. of all time is, is the spaghetti scene yep. more yeah, so than anything agreed. else. And I think that this whole era actually is beautiful artwork because of Mary Blair and Ivan Durrell's backgrounds. Um, you have Ivan Durrell's backgrounds in Lady and the Tramp, and then you have Alice in Wonderland's Mary Blair backgrounds. And for some reason, like everything in Lady and the Tramp, just to me, kind of like with Sleeping Beauty, you can take a single frame from that film and it's a beautiful piece of art for your wall. I'll give you that. Lady and the Tramp is also kind of a classic simplified tale, too. I mean, Tramp's literally from the wrong side of the tracks. Ladies from, yeah. you know, Upper West Side you know well it not is Upper West Side, it's a but... romeo and juliet-esque story it's yeah type. but yeah. without the without so many warring factions right i'm sensing a theme tonight <laughs> i can i can save some of my i can save some of my uh my things that i noticed for later because i'm voting lady of the tramp <sighs> i'm gonna vote alice in wonderland yeah lady in the tramp sorry maybe maybe i'll be on your side next time grace Maybe. It's okay. It's okay. Valid reasons. All right. So Lady and the Tramp goes on to the semifinals. Uh, Next matchup, we have the two seed 101 Dalmatians versus the seven seed Peter Pan. Uh, 101 Dalmatians is from 1961. Peter Pan is from 1953. Talk about two, I guess, iconic villains or well-known villains in Cruella de Vil and Captain Hook. I think you've got a stronger villain and a and a weaker villain. Although Cruella in the animated 101 is so much less complex and 
And again, with the idiot henchmen. But, I mean, we, we haven't done a villains episode in a really long time, but um, we've talked about both of these. I mean, like, Hook is not a good villain. <laughs> Hold on. I gotta show up for Do- for Dr. Hook. Captain Hook, for a second. His one th- I feel like his big thing is that he is afraid of the crocodile. But he had a great idea to take advantage of Tinkerbell. And Tinkerbell basically sold out, sold Peter Pan out. Like, yeah. I wrote down Tinkerbell gives no fucks about anybody once Wendy, once Wendy gets to Neverland. Because yeah. when Peter Pan picks up She's Wendy. Salty. Yeah. And Hook was actually, like, there was actually a good plan. It was a good plan. Ta- kidnap Tinkerbell, use her to find the hideout, kidnap the Lost Boys to draw out Peter Pan. And he just tripped on the goal line. That's it. Same thing as Maleficent. Maleficent was going in the right direction. So was Captain Hook. They just couldn't get the job done. Cruella DeVille, you know, she had accomplices because you can't tie it to her. And she just trusted the wrong people, which was her fault. I think Captain Hook was formidable. Same same thing with, and I don't want to give this away, same thing with Sean Yu. You know how I feel about Sean Yu. Great plan, capable villain, just couldn't get the job done. This is a difficult one because, again, younger me would probably say Peter Pan. Older me has an appreciation for how they made like 101 Dalmatians, um, where the company was post Walt Disney's death. However, my feelings towards Peter Pan still kind of stand. I think that there have been a ton of different iterations of Peter Pan. But this one still continues to stand out for most people as mm-hmm. the iteration of Peter Pan. I think that the 101 Dalmatian story, even as Disney has like gone and done Cruella, they did the live action uh, versions with Glenn Close. I think that they've matched it in terms of quality in, in those films. But like Disney's Peter Pan is the most iconic version of the story. And, and so I would probably stick with that. I think that you get into the Xerox kind of scratchy animation by 101 Dalmatians. It doesn't look as good. I love that. I love that was actually that was actually one of my favorite parts of watching it was how just hand drawn it looks. It does look hand drawn. I just feel like the Silver Age to me feels much more um, fine art versus the kind of hand drawn scratchy thing that that you end up with in the later 60s. So for me. I'm going to go Peter Pan, despite the fact that I think Cruella is the better villain. I had a lot more fun watching Peter Pan this time than 101. I I had seen, uh, I'd actually watched, I can't remember why. I had watched the live action uh, 101 more recently, and I noticed the changes. Like, I forgot, because I think it was leading up to Cruella, I watched it. And I forgot that... Anita's last name isn't Darling. Like Roger's last name isn't Darling. It's Radcliffe, which makes a lot more sense because it's a awkward last name. Looking at you, Jim Deere from Lady and the Tramp. Mm-hmm. But I like the similarities of the. I like the what they changed, and I realize how ridiculous it all is. Mm-hmm. Like you're just gonna take in all ninety nine puppies at the end of the day. Like what? <laughs> no, no. No, I mean you. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. first of all, logistically, ninety nine puppies. 
Come on. Even if you do have a, you you get a Dalmatian plantation to put them all on at the end. Like it still doesn't. <laughs> nope. Still makes lot. no sense. That's so much poo. Not a dragon pit. They just have a poo pit and they just burn it or mm. something. I don't know. I don't know how you get rid of poo. Just capture the energy. I don't know. But if we're going to talk about that, like where are all the lost boys going to the bathroom? <laughs> that's fair. That's true. This is that's a good point. The funny thing about both of these is both of them made me want to watch the other versions. So for 101, I, I wanted to watch Cruella or I wanted to watch the Going Close version. And for Peter Pan, I always think of Hook as the epitome of Peter Pan storytelling. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and I and so when I go back to this, I'm just a little disappointed because Hook is actually what I want. But yeah, this this one I don't I don't really have. I think I enjoy watching One on One Dalmatians more, but also I, I, in this era, especially I think we run into having really simple storylines, um, and this is. 101 Dalmatians is a very simple storyline. We're basically te- playing telephone the whole time. And so, and Peter Pan, I'm not crazy about the storyline, but at least there are some different scenes and different characters that, that show up along the way. But I think, I don't know, what, like my, my general litmus test as a tiebreaker is normally which one would I want to sit in a room and watch over and over again. And for this, I can't really say, but if I was choosing like Hook versus Cruella or Hook versus uh, 101, I mean, like... Would you still be able to choose? Just watch both. I, I, I well, I would, but, uh, but I think Cruella would be first, and then Hook, and then One Hundred One. Mm. That's not helping anything for deciding which of these is going to vote for, though. I think Peter Pan has a a much simpler and easier through line because everything kind of everything kind of reacts to one thing because. Um, I mean, except for the opening when they're in the nursery and everything. But once you get to Neverland, everything kind of cause and effects. Like Peter Pan, when they fly in, they get attacked by Hook. Um, That leads them to split up. If I'm remembering the movie correctly, they split up. One ends with uh, one group ends up with the Indians. One ends up with the with the mermaids, and then they come back together again with the Lost Boys and everything. And Hook is still out to get Peter Pan, which there's 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 motion to the there's motion to the whole movie and it's not just them bouncing from vignette to vignette but i mean it's a lot of these films are still you know mini vignette uh you know larger vignette with uh stuff happening but i think peter pan has a i mean these are both these both have pretty decent through lines because the puppies get stolen the puppers are born the puppies get stolen and then there's the journey to fi- the you know the finding them and getting them back I wish they showed more evidence of like how long it took because mm-hmm. I'm thinking it takes like a while for them to get back home where it could have been like a week. Oh, I was, I was thinking like a few days, but, but also I, I was thinking it's a few days for the, the primary puppies, but we don't know how long the other puppies have been missing. Like that's probably been a process. Right. You can't just, she probably didn't get 101 puppies or 99 puppies all in one go. She 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 would need more henchmen. Watching the movie, she says that they say that they're bought and paid for. Maybe she did that part legitimately. What's gonna be, Josh? You go first this time. Uh, my vote is is Peter Pan. Okay, I'll go Peter Pan this time too. I'm also gonna go Peter Pan. Wow, surprising we did no it, one. y'all. Is there like a side tangent where we can talk about who's better, Peter Pan or Rufio? Oh, as a leader well, of the Lost Boys. I mean, I think. Rufio embodies 
the essence of Peter Pan better than our Peter. Like our Peter Pan, our animated Peter Pan is a little whiny bitch boy. Like <laughs> Rufio is definitely a better shit talker too. Yeah, I mean Robin but, but Williams talking... Peter Pan is also kind of a whiny bitch boy. It, it's yeah. that's true. So are we talking animated Peter Pan versus Rufio, or are you talking Rufio versus Robin Williams? I would still I would still argue that uh, Rufio is the better um, leader of the Lost Boys. Like it's it's okay for Peter Pan to hand off the torch. I'd agree with you. Yeah, Rufio's the better leader. Feels like one of the boys. He's relatable. There's probably we're we're probably influenced by the age gap there, but that's fine. I kind of want a Rufio cameo in Peter Pan and Wendy. They can figure it out. So matchup number four, our final matchup of the quarterfinals. We have the eight seed, the Sword in the Stone from 1963 versus the number one seed, Cinderella from 1950. Uh, this shouldn't take long. This one, this one is so easy for me. It's this one so is, easy, yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm wondering if y'all are thinking it's easy in the same way. What would you choose? Someone else kick this off. I'll I'll take it because I think I think that this is weird. Like looking at this bracket because there's a lot of similar things, right? Lady and the mm-hmm. Tramp is a dog movie. One R One Dalmatians is the other dog movie. You've got Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella, the two princess stories, and then Sword in the Stone, Peter Pan, and the Jungle Book. All to me are like a boy wandering through life stories. There mm-hmm. and. Of all of those, of those three, I think The Sword in the Stone is the weakest. I think that the songs from that film are some of the weakest of this whole entire bracket. I think Merlin is fine. Madame Mim is fine. Arthur is Madame so- Mim's such a small part, too. Right. And Arthur is so forgettable. All the other like side characters are pretty forgettable. To me, like Cinderella, of most of the princess films, especially the classic originals, um, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, and, and Cinderella, I feel like Cinderella is gorgeous looking. The music is iconic. The side characters are all fun. The stepsisters, the villains, fun. Um, I, I mean, like, beyond my qualms of this dude doesn't remember what his true love right. looks like, whatever, I can get over that. But it, I think it's just overall a easier watch and a more fun watch. I'll agree with the easier watch. I, I gosh, Sword in the Stone. Uh, I was dreading watching it so much, and and it was just as painful as I remember it being. Um, I do not like this movie. I don't think it's easy to follow. I don't think it's interesting. I don't think any of the characters <laughs> like stand on their own very well. I think it's more a movie about Merlin, but. Cinderella I think I think you're right and she does a good she's one of the first princesses that I see real value in like showing compassion is is a very good thing and will help you out in the long run and she is a hard worker and cares about others and so like I think they're they're good traits to take from Cinderella I was particularly struck when I watched Cinderella about how grand the scenes were. So like how many stairs there were in the grand entryway or how giant the castle was in comparison to um, the people. I thought that was, that was really interesting coming from watching Sleeping Beauty and considering like Snow White, um, just the, the scale was kind of dramatized, but 
I, I still love the Cinderella story, and I think it's one of the better um, stories that's told over and over that we kind of get new renditions of. Um, I do want to watch. The, I, I saw that the Whitney Brandy version is on Disney Plus now, and I, I have to go back and it's watch good. it. I saw there was yeah. a reunion. They had a reunion too. I think I'm just going to watch the reunion because I told you last episode I can't watch the movie again. I can't. <laughs> It, it it just looks so TV movie. I can listen to it. Maybe I'll just put it on and then close my eyes. It. I agree with everything that y'all have said. So I have to play the card of how to, like, I, I want to improve both of these movies because my biggest problem with Cinderella is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of padding outside of the Cinderella narrative. There's so much cat and mouse play that I don't really need. But is- it, it kind of harkens back to like old disney cartoons like there's a there's an old disney cartoon inside of this disney princess movie mm-hmm. so i'm i'm kind of glad that they in, in looking at like we said all of these or most of these have live action movies i think the sin i think the cinderella live action movie is top two top three or the best of the live action remakes because of what they did with the original i mean cinderella is a classic fairy tale that everybody has done literally everybody has done but everyone you hear cinderella you automatically usually think of disney's and what disney did with their own story to make it refreshing was fantastic and all i could think of with sword in the stone was okay if they were to make a live action movie out of this and i think this is one of the main ones that they should how would that work you can keep arthur you can keep uh merlin you can even keep i i think you go back to the original sword in the stone story but strip out all of the bullshit that disney threw in yeah because the the turning him into a fish turning him into a squirrel turning him into a bird what is that even for Uh, why why do we care yeah none of what he learns he uses when it comes to you know, when he gets, when he becomes a squire again, he uses none of it. And even when he becomes king, he doesn't use any of it. You get to the end of the movie, and I feel like that's either the end of what it, like, it should be a better ending, or it should be, that should be the beginning. Talking a little bit more about Cinderella and the side scenes that aren't with the main characters, comparing this to Sleeping Beauty, I caught for the first time, I think, that Lady Tremaine is Maleficent. The voice. Same point. But yeah. the voice, yes, is the same voice um and there's also there are a couple other actors that show up in in both but i thought that the uh the scenes with the king and cinderella are way more impactful and and just effective um than really any of the parents in sleeping beauty (laughs) so i appreciate that from a storytelling standpoint i've been reading the twisted tales and I like mm-hmm. the twisted tale for uh, Cinderella a lot because the king is such a huge part of that. And the good thing about the twisted tales is that they take all of these movies that the side characters are, you know, have one or two scenes. They give them a lot more to do, as as you can do with books. But they take, you know, characters like the king or Maleficent herself and just give them a lot more to work with. I think that, uh, really quick, King Arthur's story, and I think that when you go to, like, high fantasy concepts in general, especially right now, there's a lot of competition for high fantasy. You've got Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and 
um, all kinds of other types of, of stories like that. I think if I'm going to be honest, and this is actually insane probably to say, this is a hot take. Uh, I think that The Black Cauldron is a better fantasy film than Sword of the Stone. Yeah, I'd agree. That's my second one. That's the second one they should do. I still don't care for it, but I do think it's better. But I think it's a better, yes, I would agree. I think that they could both get a good remake, but I think that the more interesting remake is The Black Cauldron. There's so much There's so much more uh, story to be mined there. Like, they, they set these characters up great. Like, there's a great setup for the, like, the lore at the beginning of The Sword in the Stone. It's like, great, give me that. Like, why is the sword important? And they don't get to it until the end. Yeah. Like, the sword the isn't important. End. It could have been anything. Let's put it to a vote. Cinderella? Yeah, it's Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella. That's that's easy. Yeah. Woo! On to the semifinals, where we have the three seed, Lady and the Tramp, versus the seven seed, Peter Pan. I feel like I, I just want to knock it out. Like, I feel like this is an easy one for me. I feel like it's Peter Pan and Cinderella. <laughs> but I already kind of shared my feelings about Lady and the Tramp, is that it's, aside from a couple iconic frames um it's fairly forgettable i at least it was for me jungle book i i mean i i do like the story of cinderella more it's easier to follow it's more pleasant to follow um jungle book does have a couple of good songs but i also know that this is not how we normally do matchups i just feel like i'm i'm decided we can go cross i mean we have in the semis we have uh lady in the tramp versus peter pan and then we have the jungle book versus cinderella I'm kind of thinking Peter Pan and the Jungle Book. Those were the ones that I just kind of had the most fun with. Nothing against Cinderella. I think Cinderella is a close, like Cinderella and the Jungle Book is 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 close for me. But I feel like start to finish the Jungle Book, it was the most interesting and it held my attention the most. And it made me, you know, like I said, it was the most fun. It was the most fun. The music, the characters, Baloo has probably the most character growth. Of the entire bracket, except for maybe Tramp, but Tramp's is kind of telegraphed. I think Mowgli is such a weak character in comparison to Cinderella. For like that's that's one of the big things for me. But Josh, what do you think? So my two picks would would actually be Lady and the Tramp and Cinderella. <laughs> we're all screwed. We're all we're all over the board here. But um, <laughs> I think coming from a historical standpoint and trying to be like a history person. Uh, I think that Lady and the Tramp is such a special film. Um, it also has a, a Disney, Walt Disney reference of, you know, a shoebox um, gift to his wife. And so they implemented that in there. I think that there's just a lot of also originality to Lady and the Tramp. Maybe not as far. It is a simple story. It is a Romeo and Juliet story. But it was one that they kind of wrote themselves and, and slightly based it off of a short story they had read versus mm-hmm. Peter Pan, James Barry. It had been around for a long time. And then with Cinderella, I, I would say of all of the princesses in all of the eras ever, Cinderella is still uh, one that I would put in the top three. I think that it's such an iconic character, iconic ball gown, iconic music, um yes she's not in the film for very very long but i think that like the stepsisters and you know like her aunt like they are evil maybe it is that voice and it feels like maleficent but like her being in her bedroom and like smoking on her little 
cigarette mm-hmm. and like talk. There's just something so evil about that person. I just love, I love those two films. And I understand Lady and the Tramp is definitely a wild card. Peter Pan is a much more beloved story in general, but those would be my two picks. I will say that uh, I feel like in, in what you just described, Cinderella is, it's not a modern movie, but it feels like it. And I think that's, that speaks to the timelessness of the movie because the stepsisters, you may not have, I don't, I don't know if any of us have, you know, stepsisters or anything like that, but like two people that are that vicious and villainous towards you, like, it's so relatable and it's it's a modern thing like that's not a fairy tale thing that's just two people you know in the real world just being bitches to you because then you you look prettier like it's it feels so so real world it's so timeless and lady tremaine is such a great voice performance because there's so just so much venom yep oh please you don't think that hold I your to... tongue now <laughs> Seems we have time on our hands. But I was only trying to... Silence! Time for vicious, practical jokes. Perhaps we can put it to better use. Now, let me see. There's the large carpet in the main hall. Clean it. And the windows upstairs and down. Watch them. Oh, yes, and the tapestries and the draperies. But I just finished... Do them again. And don't forget the garden. Then scrub the terrace, sweep the halls and the stairs, clean the chimneys. And, of course, there's the mending and the sewing and the laundry. Oh, yes. And one more thing. See that Lucifer gets his bath. Giving out orders and everything. It's like you... You couldn't just write out a list. You have to just like spit in my face every time. She doesn't have magic, but she is kind of, she is a little bit more terrifying than Maleficent because she's so realistic. We all, we all have that like awful aunt, you know, that yep. like shows up to family functions and you just go like, oh God, please don't talk to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to pick? We're all on a different. Uh... I, I think, Tori, I think you just talked yourself into Cinderella. What? I think that's what just happened. Uh, but realistically, if, I mean, like, if none of us are changed, and Josh and I chose Cinderella, and then you and Josh chose Lady and the Tramp, then that's it. No, I said Peter Pan, though. You and Josh yeah. chose oh, Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, I think it's down, I think it's Peter Pan versus Cinderella Peter in the Pan finals. Peter Pan versus Cinderella. Yeah. Yeah. Any changes? I stand by my initial vote, Peter Pan and Cinderella. So I guess by that, uh, Cinderella and Peter Pan are in the finals. So uh, which one, Peter Pan or Cinderella? And why? Show your work. Mm. My vote would be Cinderella. I think comparing the two, musically, uh, I think that Cinderella, like I get You Can Fly, I think is an iconic song. Mm -hmm. But I think that Cinderella's soundtrack score and songs and everything are nostalgic but do still kind of feel modern um to a certain extent they are a lot usually the songs that like when you go to disneyland or walt disney world those songs typically are part of like the nighttime fireworks show because they just feel Mm -hmm. more iconic to disney as a brand um both are beautifully 
animated, I would lend my hand more to Cinderella. It's a little less vibrant, but I think that it plays a lot with mood. So I think that there are those menacing moments. There are also those really lovely, beautiful dancing moments. Um, and yeah. I think they played a lot more with colors for that film. I also think there's something about princesses and Disney. They go they're they're a peanut butter jelly combo. Like <laughs> it really is. It's like when you think about Disney, to me, it's like you automatically think about princesses, no matter what. Like it's like, oh, that's that's the company that makes those princess films. Yeah. Um, and to me, Cinderella is one of the top ones. I wonder if this, like, for me, for I I would think for our generation. That's true. Um, but I wonder, like, modern, like, kids these days, is Disney a, a princess company? I don't know. Um, like, they, yes, there are still princesses, but I think they do so much more now that isn't princess related. I mean, but the iconography is there. Like, oh, yeah. It's, I mean, like, it starts you've got the with the castle. If you go to any Disney park, there's a castle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like, the princess brand is mm-hmm. obviously iconic. I would say even. In the last 10 years, probably the most iconic characters are Elsa and Anna. I'd say Elsa and Olaf. I mean, you could say that for sure. But like it's it becomes the princess and her funny sidekick, which that just feels like the brand. And that's what it is. And Cinderella to me is still one of the top princess stories that I think it almost is exactly the template. Like Snow White Uh was the trial. And Snow White did really well. But Cinderella introduces uh, Jack and Gus Gus, the two animal goofy sidekicks, a menacing mm-hmm. villain. A love Her menacing s- sidekick. In the- Her and menacing, menacing sidekick. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then in, you have uh, the dance scene. You have mm-hmm. the, the songs. I mean, everything about it. It is the template for the modern mm-hmm. princess film. More than Some Snow magic. White ever was. Magic, yeah. Quick side question. In the film, is her dress white or is it blue? It's blue. It's a very faint blue. It's it's okay. light light blue, but her wedding dress, she's actually wearing two different dresses. Her sleeves are different and, and the frames. Huh. Uh, my friend that was watching with me pointed it out. Um, shout out to Catherine. But yeah, uh, when she's walking down the steps, she's wearing long sleeves. And then when she gets inside the carriage, she has the poof sleeve. Maybe she just rolled up the sleeves. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was a mistake, but um, but yeah, like the the iconic dress is definitely blue. Okay, because when I when I watch it on the screen, it looks like white to me. But in all like the marketing afterwards, like oh, it's it's very blue. It's very blue. That just tells me you need to change your TV settings. Maybe <laughs> it's on. It's a four K TV and it's newish and it's Disney Plus. But uh, I'll. I'll play you with have it time. on sports setting or something. <laughs> it's always on sports. Thank you. No, I'm kidding. Um, this is the part where I talk myself into Cinderella. <laughs> the the thing that I noticed with Cinderella and and mostly with the first three princesses, I I completely agree with Josh what you said about Disney being being heavily associated with princesses and how C- Cinderella does a great job, you know, defining the the princess like genre ethos archetype i look at it musically these Mm -hmm. three films snow white cinderella and sleeping beauty kind of point out and this this early this early phase in disney in general 
I go back to the dream, the 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 idea of dreaming of it all because Cinderella, sorry, with uh, sleep, with Snow White, uh, someday my prince will come with Cinderella, a dream is a wish your heart makes, and then Sleeping Beauty, once upon a dream, it, it keeps going back to that. And it's these three princesses were always the dreaming ones. And then they had to, they had to break that mold when, uh, when we got into later ones. But uh cinderella is still a great like dream character because all she 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 kept the faith she kept dreaming she said you can't stop me from dreaming and that's a great message to give to really anybody whether it's a little girl or it's a you know grown adult watching these movies you know just keep keep on dreaming and the problem is and this is where i complicate things when i get to peter pan it's you know staying keeping your childlike sense of wonder and everything and believing in the fantastical so you can fly and mermaids exist and you know pirate ships and mermaids and all the fantastical of it (sighs) what i'm hearing from you is i'd like to stay as immature as possible please (laughs) (laughs) i mean he does have a disney podcast that's fair yeah Tori, I think, yeah, I think you are right. I think you just talked yourself into Cinderella. Yeah, I think I can, I I would be okay with uh, voting Cinderella. Okay, I'll make it, I'll make it easy for you. I would definitely vote Cinderella. Um, of, between Peter Pan and Cinderella, it's definitely the one that I would prefer to watch over and over again if I had to. I think if we're talking about live action versions, I have seen the live action versions of Cinderella, and I think I've only seen... I've seen the Brandy one a few times. I haven't seen the most recent one more than once or twice, I think. And I've seen Hook a million times. So I think Peter Pan just, like, it has a, an iconic story that has transferred very well to different versions. But you're right, like, Cinderella is, is based on a short story that kind of Disney adapted to its own. And, and that has become what people know as the true Cinderella. Um, I think it's a, a decent template for... A princess, it's a good template for a villain. Easily hateable. There's enough magic, but it's still a little believable. Um, yeah, there's really like not a lot of magic scale. in this. It's really just the fairy godmother. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm all about Cinderella winning this one. Captain Hook is a lot less terrifying. And, and it goes back to it being realistic and relatable. It's, Captain Hook is a lot more fantastical and by, def- and by extension less terrifying than Lady Tremaine. What I think is interesting about Lady Tremaine is if you take any of the things that she says in isolation, it doesn't sound that bad. But it's all of these lines together. It's all of these actions and requests and and egging on of her daughters Mm -hmm. together that makes her such an awful character, which I think that is what makes it so personable. That's what what makes it so easy to relate to people we know in real life. It's because, like, you've you've definitely had people that have treated you like shit. Um, but have they compounded these instances over and over again uh, in such a malicious way? So are we at a consensus for Cinderella? Woo! Way to go, Grace. Okay. <laughs> about it. I want a thing, y'all. <laughs> so officially, the winner of our Silver Age bracket is Cinderella. Woo! Do we have a Drunken Disney for Cinderella yet, Tori? I don't think so. Are we good for it? You want to do it? Sure. What do you got? Okay, so for Drunk Disney, anytime someone men- mentions a shoe, anytime a song begins, and anytime anyone is mean to Cinderella. Those are your Drunk Disney rules. Cool. 
I already said my one cool shot was the shot, the lightning shot of Tramp in the house about to go catch the rat. An honorable mention was the pan from the second star to the right all the way until you get to the island of Neverland. That is a very cool shot. Yeah. I do like the night sequence and Peter Pan at the beginning a lot. I'm a big fan of ben, like Big Ben when they land mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. It's also a very cool level in Kingdom Hearts. That is cool. Because once you get out of once you get out of Neverland, the keyhole is Big Ben. Couple of episodes that we have coming up. We're possibly doing a drunk Disney commentary for Hocus Pocus two, which comes out in a couple. I think next week. And uh, of course, we are doing our Bronze Era bracket with movies from uh, nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty eight. That one's gonna be rough. It sounds like a lot of movies, but it's really not a lot of movies. Because I, I think throughout the 70s, there's only three films. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. I gotta find nice things to say about The Black Cauldron. Or not. <laughs> or not. Or we could just not. <laughs> Calling it right now. The Black Cauldron's winning it all. Josh, thank you so much for joining us for this one. No, yes, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had fun. Plug your stuff. Oh. What do you have to plug? Uh, if anybody wants to check out my main thing I do on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash modern mouse where I put out videos. Uh, I try to do at least one big video every two weeks. Um, like I said earlier in the show, I'm working on a mermaid video analysis, but I also talk about the Disney eras. Uh, I'm working through the live action eras now. Uh, I also talk about Muppets and pixar and uh sometimes i also branch out beyond Uh, again i kind of say like disney adjacent because uh one of my favorite videos that i worked on this year was about the secret of nim and Mm. how like don bluth left the disney company started his own company did the secret of nim and how it was like much darker and more grim than anything disney was doing but how interestingly enough like for a few years was doing better than Disney before they came back with the little mermaid. The story of Don Bluth and his beef with Disney is one of the most fascinating things in the animation world that I've ever read or listened about. So hilarious and petty. What, what happened with him and the team? Like mm-hmm. on the same level as like what happened when Jeffrey Katzenberg left and formed uh, DreamWorks. Yeah. I think that there's a, a really interesting story that nobody's necessarily like written a book about or anything. Like everybody talks about Disney's nine old men, but there's like a really interesting point in like the seven, like late seventies, early eighties when all these younger guys came in from Cal arts and they're all like, I mean like so many iconic characters came from it. Like John Lasseter, Don Bluth, Tim Burton, um, Brad Bird, like all these people that would go on to do amazing things. And a lot of mixed feelings about that time period from some of those people. You can follow us on uh, social media uh, on facebook.com slash Disney versus on Twitter at Disney VS on Instagram at Disney versus podcast. Please remember to rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star review and drop a comment and we'll read it on the air. I already told you about the episodes that we have coming up. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say we might also do a live action bracket just so Grace can watch Cinderella and I can make her watch the Jungle Book. (laughs) He's 
been trying to get me to watch Jungle Book for what, like three years now? Since since it came out. Can I be since honest? Since it came out. It's fine. <laughs> See, I like if you, you're not convincing me. If you if you have to make a film that's live action that's mostly CG. You could do worse. You know it's a better live action jungle book? The Life of Pi. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Grace, if you watch The Jungle Book, I'll watch The Lion King again. That no deal. What? You know how much you know how much I hate the live action Lion King. I know, I know. Anyway, as always, thank you for listening and we will see y'all next episode. Goodbye.